Thank you, Holly and Lisa. That was beautiful. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And not this past February, but the one last year, my son and I went on a winter campout with the scouts up in the UP. One of the day's activities was to go check out the ice caves. These are waterfalls that freeze up during the winter and really cool to see, beautiful things. And there are trails you walk along and then side trails you take off down and see the various waterfalls. So we had snowshoes and spikes because there was snow and ice up there and made our way through the cold winter day to see as many ice caves as we could. At the end of one of them, the group decided that uh, that was our last one. We would take a shorter, more direct upper path back to our vehicles. And this shorter path uh, started with a pretty steep climb up the hill that was right next to this particular waterfall we were at. So up we went until the last part, this big rocky spot with a rope hung down over the top that you could use to climb up over it. Well, I got to that rope and thought, there's no way this thing's going to support me. And I'm never going to make it up and over this thing. I'm going to have to double back, take the long, low path, meet everyone back at the vehicles. Also, I'm not a big fan of of doing things high up. I don't think I have an outright phobia of heights, but I prefer to spend most of my time where there's lots of solid ground under me. Now, I've spent a lot of my life not, not moving and exercising very much, so here I was, Middle-aged, overweight, not a lot of strength, staring at this rope to climb up over the last part of this hill. And I had all kinds of fear about even attempting it. And some of the group was up ahead already, and a few were still behind me waiting, so I couldn't sit there contemplating this forever. So I tried to get out of it by calling up ahead. I said, hey, this rope's never going to support me. But one of the other adults that had already gone through called back and said, well, it supported me fine. And I thought, well... If it supported him, it probably would support me fine. So with, I tried to grab a little bit of courage from knowing that I had, had lost some weight at that time and had been exercising and built up more strength than I'd been used to, so I thought I'd give it a go. I grabbed the rope, climbed up over the edge to the top of the hill. And to my surprise, I did so much easier than I thought I would. And a bystander would have thought, well, it's just a short hesitation before moving on. But in my head, it felt like an hour of questioning, of worry, feeling anxious and fearful of about a hundred different things that could go wrong. Once at the top, a whole new set of thoughts flooded my brain. What I had thought of as small daily efforts over the past year, walking, exercising, led me to do something physical that I wouldn't have been able to do a year before. So I'd proved to myself that despite what I had thought, despite my fears, I was able to do something I didn't think I would have been able to. And it seems like a simple thing looking back, but for a guy that has spent so much time avoiding physical activities over my life, it was a pretty big deal for me. Fear can be a really gripping emotion. In some cases, it's essential. It helps trigger our fight-or-flight response, which can mean life or death. But there's another response that's possible, and that's to freeze. You know, I can think of different times when my kids have tried some either new part of a playground or some new activity at a water park or a carnival or something like that, and they start out with confidence and bravery, and sometimes results of them getting up to a point 
and they just freeze. They look down and see where they're at, and they freeze right there, clearly scared. And sometimes they just need a little coaching to get them through that spot. Other times they need to, for a parent to come and rescue them. But that look in their eyes, though, that's what I think of when I think about fear. You can see just by seeing their face and their bodies are tensed up that they're really scared. As we get older, we learn to hide our fears and carry them with us. Sometimes we walk around with all kinds of fear. These fears can range from those life or death situations to just everyday things. Like, what will people think of the way I'm dressed today? Will people not like me or think less of me? Why didn't a friend of mine hit like on my Facebook post, but they liked a similar one someone else had last week? Does that person not like me anymore? Are they mad at me? If I take that new job, will my current coworkers be mad at me? Am I letting them down by changing jobs? What if the new job doesn't work out and it's worse than what I've got now? Could I come back or would I be stuck there forever? What if I go out to a restaurant and my kids act up and think I'm a bad parent because of it? Having gone through several personal struggles over the last couple years, one of the most difficult lessons I've learned is that we can't heal or grow until we're ready to face our fears. We have to face all those what-ifs and all the scenarios, and we have to figure out what are the fears that we have about each of those that are holding us back. If it's a deep personal issue, one of the things that therapists and counselors can help us do is understand what's behind those fears and help give us ways and tools to face them and deal with them so that we can live out the rest of our lives in a healthy way. Avoiding those difficult areas of our lives almost never results in a healthier life. At best, the unresolved fears haunt us forever. And at worst, we find ways to forget the fears or numb the pain from them, and both lead to unhealthy things. Facing our fears is another one of those parts of our Christian faith that, faith that is simple but not at all easy. If we lean into God and surrender ourselves to him, we know for a fact that he will be at our side, fighting our battles with us, comforting us through difficult times. But really doing that each day, I, th- I think, could be one of the most difficult things that we have to do. Jesus tells us right in today's scripture from John 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. There's no promise made that our lives will be easy. Nowhere does it say that with faith, all our troubles will disappear and life will turn to sunshine and rainbows. In fact, Scripture tells us the opposite. It promises a life of difficulty and suffering. We will face trials. On the other end of that promise is that our Lord and Savior will be there with us every step of the way. We are not alone. We are not fighting alone or facing hard times alone. Jesus will help us through them and will use those difficult times to grow us into better people. The key is we have to be willing to take on the struggles with his help. If we look somewhere else for that help, there's a good chance the suffering we experience will be worse. 
not because God abandons us when we turn away. It's up to us to receive the help he provides. Our New Testament scripture from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, tells us this clearly. In verse 38, he writes, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Paul talks about the challenges that will stand in our way and even calls out fears directly, as I'm sure he had his own set of fears each day. But Paul knew that he was not alone and we are not alone. In his second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7, he wrote, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, God has given us all that we need to work through our fears. But that power of, excuse me, the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline won't help us if we don't use it. Again, simple, but not at all easy. It's so important to understand that our job is not to ease our pain or find ways to avoid our fears. What we are called to do is embrace our faith and turn and face our fears. And as I talk about fears, I'm thinking of all kinds of different challenges we face. And I'm making some assumptions that a lot of what we struggle with is based on a fear of some kind. Many of our worries, anxieties, and stresses can trace back to a fear of fill-in-the-blank. Dr. John Deloney, a psychologist, author, and speaker, he describes these difficult things in our life as bricks that we sometimes choose to carry with us. If we don't set those bricks down, we end up putting them in an invisible backpack and we carry them around with us everywhere we go. And that heavy, weighed-down backpack will stay with us until we make a change. Worse yet, there's a good chance we'll keep adding more bricks to it. And the way we start to get rid of those bricks is to acknowledge they are there, to own and face what they are. Whatever emotions each brick contains, we need to let ourselves experience all of them and give our brains a chance to just process through whatever that brick is. This processing is painful and difficult in the short term, but it's the way we will get the most long-term benefit. Our hearts are like gardens. If we ignore them and don't tend to them, the weeds will come in and choke them out. It takes hard, uncomfortable work to keep them up. When I think of working in my garden, which I haven't done this year, Matt can tell you, I think of heat, sweat, mosquito bites, and weeds. Some of these weeds are like those trick birthday candles. You know the ones you blow out and they relight themselves? I swear that some weeds magically reappear as soon as I'm walking away from the garden. When I think of those bricks that I carry around, I think of a different kind of uncomfortable work. Work that requires me to sit in some tough emotions. I've got to look at myself and what I did in those experiences. I need to own up to the things I should have done better. And eventually, I just need to accept what happened and push forward. Whatever fear comes from that brick I'm putting down, I have to decide what that fear is so I can face it and make a decision to move past it. 
When the Israelites had finally been led out of Egypt and were almost to the promised land, their whining and complaining seemed to continually get them in trouble. In our Old Testament reading this morning from Numbers chapter 21, it was poisonous snakes that God sent to them. And when the snakes bit people, they died from the poison. Well, the Israelites realized they had sinned against the Lord and asked Moses to pray that these be taken away. And some really interesting things happened next. To start, God did not take away the snakes. He did not answer the prayer the Israelites made in the way that they asked. God asked them to build a replica that required anyone bitten by a snake to look at the replica so they could be healed. There are lots of valuable lessons here. You know, we need to trust God in what he asks us to do in order to be healed. We need to be obedient to God and do what he commands. But the part I want to really look at this morning is specifically what they were looking at. God did not choose some random object to throw on a pole and have people look at. And it wasn't some fluffy cloud or rainbow replica. He instructed Moses in verse 8 of Numbers chapter 21, to make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. God literally had them face the thing that was killing them, a replica of the very poisonous snakes that were biting and killing them. Back at the youth retreat a couple of months ago, Pastor Gary was teaching our youth that the Bible's full of God's commands and promises. Here, the command was to look at the replica. Required the Israelites to face their fears. The promise was life, being cured. That act of obedience, of faith and trust would cure them of the snake's poison. Scripture tells us these snakes came as a consequence of the Israelites' own behaviors. They did not just stumble into a snake den. They were complaining about the situation God led them into back in verses 4 and 5. It says they grew impatient. Can you think of a situation in your life that God led you into, and while there, you grew impatient with what he was doing? Maybe you started to complain about that and wonder why God gave you that specific life event to deal with. I know I have many times. And once I lose my sense of trust in what God is doing through that situation, I start to react from a place of fear. And instead of facing what I'm fearful of head on, I start overreacting or looking for an easy way out. And this always leads to a situation that's worse than when I started. The Israelites had been wandering around the wilderness, but were taken care of. God provided them the things that were necessary for them. It was their impatience and boredom that got the best of them and put them in a much worse situation. This facing of fear is a theme throughout Scripture. When we look at different stories, Daniel's trust in God saved him from the lion's den. David faced Goliath, as Scripture says, in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, and he won. When Jonah tried to run from his fear, God arranged for him to spend three days and three nights in a great fish until he turned back to God in prayer so he could be spit back out. Jesus is a great example of leaning into difficult situations. It's hard to say if he 
feared in particular, but Jesus did face situations that we would certainly fear. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus' betrayal and arrest, Jesus asks our Heavenly Father to spare him what Jesus knew was coming next. It feels like a very human moment to me. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 22. This is verses 41 through 44. It says, And he, Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him, to Jesus, an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It was shortly after this passage that Jesus went peacefully with the soldiers that came for him and started the final hours of his earthly life, courageously facing torture and a horrible death. But in the verses here, Jesus received help, leading us by great example. God did not remove the difficulty that lay ahead for him, but gave him help and strength through the angel that came to him. Verse 44 describes Jesus' agony and his sweat falling to the ground like great drops of blood. Whether we call that fear or not, Jesus was clearly feeling some human emotion and was greatly disturbed by the events that were about to occur. And I figure if the Son of God needed help and strength to get through that difficult situation, then my asking for help as, as I face my fears puts me in good company. Here's what's on the other side of facing your fears and why it's so important. When you face your fears, you'll have stronger, healthier relationships. Don't give in to the fear that a difficult conversation might ruin things. Know your relationships will get stronger from the struggle. You can more fully use the skills and talents God has gifted to you, and you'll use them to serve others and make a difference in people's lives. Don't fear rejection or failure. Put yourself in a new situation that challenges you to use those gifts in new ways. You'll learn things about yourself that you would never have learned if you avoid the hard things in life. Don't keep carrying your bricks around. Take them out of your backpack, own and accept them, and set them down as you move on. You'll find countless other people that have the same fears you do and can come alongside of you as you walk through whatever challenge you're facing. Find a community of people in a similar season of life that you're in, and you'll see the power of having a supportive community around you. As you face your fears, you'll grow your faith. There are areas of our faith, areas of life that God speaks to us on, that are not aligned with political correctness. There can be a lot of fear when we start looking into these areas and understanding them, that when they don't align with views and opinions of other people around us. In other areas of our faith, you'll find that despite what others would have us believe, there's rich and factual evidence to support what God's Word has to say. And our individual faith journey is an endless path of discovery and wonder. We win battles when we face our fears. I don't suggest that we dwell on the the spiritual war, and there is one that rages around us every day. But we do need to acknowledge it. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8-9, through Peter writes, Stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Stand firm against the devil and face the fear that he brings into your life, just as Peter wrote. Stay strong in your faith, and you won't be facing the enemy alone. I'll leave you with what I believe to be one of the most comforting verses in God's word. If you need a verse to hang in your house or put in your car, or just commit to memory so you can call upon it whenever you need a reminder that, that the God that created the universe is the same God that created and loves you. I suggest Isaiah 41.10. It says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen.